This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. <laughs> From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergath. Hey, thanks for joining us once again for the podcast. On the telephone with us is uh, Alan Horton, the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. We talk with him on these Tuesdays, and he's been out in California. Are you still there, Alan? Are you on your way back? What's going on? No, we're, uh, we flew out of the ga- after the game last night down to Phoenix, so we're all set here for Phoenix and uh, getting set for tomorrow night. What a week it's been. Uh, four straight wins, uh, some tight wins, every one of them, and guys making plays uh, in the clutch time. That's, that's huge for them. Yeah, different uh, different lineups out there too. You know, I mean, the stretch started. You didn't have uh, you didn't have Anthony Edwards. You you, you didn't have Towns. Uh, then you got one of them back. Then you got the second one back, and then you missed Towns last night. So it's been a lot of different mixing and matching of lineups. Uh, but the overall the overall uh, theme has been just playing really solid basketball. No matter who's been out there, a lot of guys that can been, been contributing. Uh, you know, and, and Chris Finch has been able to go with some bigger lineups because Nas Reed is playing well, Rudy Gobert is playing well, um, and, and as a result, the Wolves have uh, very quietly become a pretty good rebounding team over the last week or two. It's been it's been nice to see. That's a big change from earlier in the year. Yeah, uh, the close wins are so huge. When you drop those, it's kind of a punch in the gut. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess uh, a twenty point loss is yeah. still a loss versus a two point loss. But if you make plays in the last thirty seconds of a game that cost you the game, that really stings. And the guys have been making those plays instead. Yeah, and it's um, you know they played forty four clutch time games last night was the forty fourth and. Uh, you know, over the last 40 games, about 67% of those have gone into clutch time, the wow. final five minutes, and the score within five points, mm-hmm. which is a little bit dangerous. You know, you're playing with fire a little bit because when you shorten the game like that, you go into those type of situations time and time again. Um, you know, the other teams are good, too, and, and it limits the number of possessions. And there's, you know, eventually you kind of regress toward this 500 record in clutch time. Um, like like uh, some GMs have famously said, uh, you don't, Good teams don't win clutch time games. They avoid clutch time mm-hmm. games, meaning they dominate the game and don't let it get into clutch time. But um, that's not the case for the Wolves. They they are playing well, and they've gotten into clutch time, and they've just strung together some wins here, uh, which is tough to do. So I think you have to give them some credit. I think you have to give Mike Conley some credit. There's a guy who knows something about um, winning in clutch time. Mm-hmm. That, you know, He was a part of the grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies who – were statistically, when they had Zach Randolph and they had Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley, and Tony Allen, those guys were not only, I mean, it was a statistical improbability how good they were in clutch time. They were better than they were in the other parts of the game. Hmm. Um, they would get you down into that time and they would just execute you to death uh, in clutch time and win games at, a, at an unbelievable rate. And, and uh, the Timberwolves, uh, you know, hopefully have some of those genes in as well. I know they have guys that want to step up and make those plays and make those shots at the end of games. At the same time, that desire has to be tempered by with what's best in that half-court offensive possession at that time. They seem to be getting better at that. Yeah, making the right decisions, mm-hmm. uh, cutting down on turnovers. It's, a, it's all about executing. So you've only got X number of possessions you know, in a close game down the stretch, and, and can you out-execute your opponents? Can you get more points out of your few possessions left, two, three, four possessions, whatever it is? Um, can you get more points on those possessions than your opponents are going to get? Right now, uh, their defense has really stepped up down the stretch. Um, heading into last night, 
in the final 30 seconds of a one-possession game, opponents were shooting four for 29 from the field and 0 of 11 from beyond the arc. Wow. Um, now, shooting percentages are going to be a little bit lower in that period of time, but um, not like that, four of 29. That makes the Wolves one of the best uh, defenders, uh, defensive teams in, in the league in that scenario. And so it's, uh, you know, they've, you could say they've gotten a little bit lucky, but I think that's where guys like Kyle Anderson, Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards step up and, and make plays down the stretch. I think of that, remember that Dallas game that uh, I think it was the first win after the trade when uh, Ant and Jaden just held Luca and Kyrie Irving without a shot in the final seconds there. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I picture what the Wolves have been able to do so well this season is just smother opponents. You saw it the other night against Golden State mm -hmm. um, when Jaden was able to overplay Steph Curry and, and Curry and Jordan Poole weren't on the same page. Uh, Curry cut one way, Poole thought he was going the other. The ball went right out of bounds. Crucial turnover at a big moment, uh, which obviously came right after another turnover when – Kyle Anderson uh, made the steal, and Cat hit the uh, angle three. Um, so those are the kind of plays that, that you need to have it in clutch time because that's winning time. And, and those kind of plays, um, however small they might be, end up being huge because there's so little time left. First time all year that Jaden McDaniels won an entire game that he was in without scoring a field goal against Golden State on Sunday and uh, got a technical foul at the end, maybe lost his composure just a bit. But, boy, when he was out there for those last possessions defensively, uh, you know, he's stated that he thinks he's the best defensive player in the NBA. Steph Curry wouldn't argue that at this moment. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, yeah, that was a rare game for Jaden. It's just, mm -hmm. well, every time he stepped on the floor, they were calling fouls against him. He played yep. nine minutes and 53 seconds and picked up five fouls in that stretch. Mm -hmm. But, like I said, still made, you know, still helped cause that turnover that was crucial. So he was stay, still able to impact the game. Yeah, I did not. Uh, I did not uh, react well to that technical foul. I really thought that, you know, obviously the frustration was building with him. I can only imagine, you know, having you feel like you feel like you're getting picked on when you get five fouls in, in under ten minutes of play. But to slam the ball off the floor and pick up a technical, in there must have been like a minute left, maybe two minutes left. Mm -hmm. Just felt like that point was going to come back to bite the, the Timberwolves. Fortunately, it didn't. Um, but what a win! That Golden State win. I'm still. Still kind of buzzing from that one. That yeah. was incredible to go into. You know, Golden State's the defending champs. They're the four-time champions in the last eight years. They're thirty and seven at home. They're the third best defense in the NBA at home. Um, and and the Wolves had lost twelve in a row in that. Uh, not even in that building. They'd never won at Chase Center. Their last win against them came, you know, uh, in twenty sixteen when Shabazz Muhammad scored thirty five off the bench to tie the franchise record. And that came over across the bay in Oakland. So. To, to have that kind of improbable steal and three in the span of like a couple of seconds, that was a, just a wild swing that, you know, Timberwolves fans who have been following this team for a long time, Todd, they know that that, that play doesn't happen for the Wolves, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen. It goes the other way. The exact opposite happens. It happens to them, not for them. And mm -hmm. so that's, uh, that was really encouraging to see. And I think that can, boy, that, a, a win like that can give you a little boost. It can give you a little momentum. And they kind of carried that into the Sacramento game. And, um, just really uh, everything's kind of flowing right now, and you expect Towns to be back. And you expect Torian Prince to be back for Wednesday night, and you got a chance now um, to really do some damage on this trip. I mean, this three-game road trip, you know, I don't know if you ask anybody what, uh, how many wins you'd get on this three-game trip. Warriors, Kings, Suns, those are all teams that are better than you. Um, you know, you would have said, yeah, well, maybe one we can, if we can get one, okay. 
two would be fantastic. Well, you get the first two, and now you got a chance for three. Yeah. And, and yeah, getting into this stretch of games uh, with so many on the road because of the, uh, you know, schedule was more heavily weighted toward home earlier in the season. But you're in a stretch right now starting back on the 17th of March with Chicago, six out of seven on the road. And you looked at that going in and said, boy, it's possible the Timberwolves find themselves kind of way back in the play in tournament and maybe fighting for one of those spots. Instead, here they are trying to get a six spot and could go as high as four. I mean, Phoenix isn't far ahead of them. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, it's just crazy. But they've been in this spot before. They've mm. been to two games over 500. They've yet to get to that three games over the 500 mm. mark. They, I think they're 0-8 when they're, when they're two games over. So, um, and they've been in this sixth spot before. It was just a couple of weeks ago after they, uh, after they swept the final three games of, the, of a road trip, winning against the Clippers, Lakers, and Kings. They were in the sixth spot there, then they promptly lost five of the next six. So, I mean, it just swing, it can swing so quickly. You just hope that, uh, you know, with only what six games left in the season, that um, that uh, th- there's not time to have another swing. Hopefully, this is the final swing, and you just add to your win streak here, because uh, that would be absolutely be huge. It'd be nice to head into the final couple of games with maybe maybe them not meaning as much as as we think they're going to mean right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sacramento uh, in in last night's game against the Kings with Dante Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox and some of those young stars that they have, but they're a young team. You know, they always talk about the old heads. Tend to you got to have some of those guys to win at least once you get into the postseason. The Timberwolves have some of those guys with Conley and Gobert, and it, and it should be Cat as well. I mean, gosh, what is it? Seven years in the NBA now. It's time for him to start being an old head, and maybe he is going to. Yeah, and that's where you know that's where that experience hopefully comes in down the stretch, and why the Wolves have been a top ten team in, in the clutch is, mm-hmm. you know, making having guys who have been in that situation they can kind of calmly lead the way. Sacramento's a good team; they're a good team, but the Wolves have beat them three out of four times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Kings are probably going to end up as the three seed. I tell you what, I, I think Sacramento's got some real problems. They can't defend a lick. Uh, I mean, the, the, the Wolves in, th- in three of the four games just. Their offensive ratings are through the roof, and the Wolves have not been um, statistically a top-10 offense this year. They've been a bottom-10 offense, um, and Sacramento likes to outscore you, they, but they don't play any defense, and I think they've got a real problem when they get to the postseason. I know they were all jacked up last night thinking that they could get a win over the Wolves and they were going to celebrate their first uh, playoff. They could clinch a playoff spot for the first time since 2006, and wow. Rick Adelman was their head coach. Mm-hmm. And so... They were all hyped up. They were ready to light the beam, which is the tradition they have this season. Not much of a tradition. It's, it's only started a couple of months ago. But uh, <laughs> they, they put that beam up from the uh, center of the arena, kind of like the Luxor in Vegas where that light goes okay. up uh, into the sky. But they like, they like to light the beam, but they haven't done it twice against the Wolves. I think, I think Minnesota really matches up well against them. And now all of a sudden, boy, if the Wolves can hold their spot, maybe you could see a 3-6 matchup, and it could be Sacramento and Minnesota – and that's uh, that would be that, I think that would be good news and welcome news for Minnesota. Yeah, if that's the case, uh, you know that's a, a good matchup. Uh, another matchup, if they leap the fraud, the Clippers could be the Suns in that opening round. Do they see uh, tomorrow night? Uh, it sounds like maybe you think the Kings are a better matchup than the Suns would be for the Wolves. Yeah, I would I would guess uh, we haven't seen what what Kevin Durant looks like with the Suns team, and I, I think he's going to play tomorrow night. So mm. that'll be interesting to see, but. Um, you know, the West is really, it, it is really wide open. Um, I think Denver is kind of, you know, they got their cushion at the number one spot, and they've kind of been so-so ever since. So they've earned the right to be able to do that. But they haven't run away with this thing. Um, 
Memphis has been up and down. Looks like they're back on the upswing now. We talked about Sacramento, um, Phoenix. You know, I, I, there's as many things point against Golden State making a run. You just you just can't count them out with their pedigree. I mean, the four titles, and if Curry gets yep. Curry starts leading that team in a direction that they get they get rolling, but that uh, they have not been good on the road this year, and I don't think that's going to change. So I don't think it's. I just don't think it's their year. But I do think the West is as open as it's ever been. But I do think Phoenix might be one of the top teams. I guess I'd go Phoenix and Denver. But I, I do think that Denver's beatable. So um, it's you know it's just it's it's wide open in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, that's that's certainly the case. You know, you referenced Dallas a little bit ago, and they trade for Kyrie Irving, and believing that. Uh, you know that's going to make their team up better. What are they three and eight since acquiring him with both Luka Doncic and here on the floor at the same time? That hasn't worked so far. No, it hasn't, and they're dropped to eleventh uh, in the standings. They just uh, they need the league come in the other night and somehow rescind the technical for Luka Doncic because he would have been suspended for last night's game. But they beat the hapless uh, Indiana Pacers and uh, got a much needed win. But uh, yeah, they're you know be careful what you wish for. You know mm-hmm. that 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 trade falls into that category. Of- you know, you you love the t- talents of Kyrie Irving, but guess what? The guy hasn't done a lot of winning wherever he's been. I mean, it was it was lightning in a bottle in Cleveland, but then he wanted out of there. It failed miserably in Boston. Um, it failed miserably in Brooklyn, and now um, Dallas gave up a lot to get him at the trade deadline. And I wonder if you look at you know you wonder what the future is. He's a free agent in the summer, and I think during at, you know once that trade was made, you just expected that the Mavericks were going to re-sign him, give him the money, and try to make it work with with him and Luca. But I wonder if they've got second thoughts here over the way things have gone since the trade. And if they don't make the playoffs, holy cow, what a disappointment that would be, and, and gives them a huge, huge decision in the off season because you're almost. When you made the trade, I think they didn't give up a ton, but they gave up enough where you're just like, this is more than just renting him for the final six weeks of the season. Um, they got a monster decision coming up. How involved is uh, Mark Cuban in personnel decisions there in Dallas? I think he's very involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got his GM, he's got his head coach, but um, he he is one of the more involved owners, I think, um, in the NBA. And of course, you see him at every. Uh, every Mavericks game, whether it's home or road, maybe he doesn't show up as many on the road as he used to, but um, he's right there on the edge of the bench, and, and oftentimes he gets away with he gets away with some things coming out of the floor and arguing with officials, and, uh, and I, I think he falls into those weird categories. You don't know you don't know exactly know how to treat him. He's not a player, he's not a coach, but he, you know he's the owner, so you can't just exactly tee him up or toss him out. Uh, so it's very interesting, but uh, Mark's had a lot of success. There's no doubt about it. Home games remaining against the Lakers Friday, Portland Sunday for affiliate appreciation. My wife and I will be there. Looking forward to to seeing you. Usually do a nice little talk uh, for all of us affiliates uh, at that appreciation day. So looking forward to that. And then the Pelicans to finish the regular season. It would be nice if that's a meaningless game. But it's possible, it would be. very possible, that it will have some meaning on the playoff uh, situation, that last game against the Pels. That's um, that's the second of a back-to-back too. I think the Wolves are in San Antonio the night before. Like mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. It, it, you have to wait and see how things shake out. But right now, New Orleans and Minnesota are the two hottest teams in, in the West. I mean, that you know, Pelicans have gotten right back into it by winning five in a row. The Wolves have won four in a row. Uh, New Orleans is right behind them in the standings. I think they're either seventh or eighth, and the Wolves are sixth. So mm-hmm. it either could have a lot to play for, or might maybe. 
maybe if things are locked up and uh, playoff spots or position are already set, then maybe maybe it doesn't mean a thing. So that'll be that'll be really interesting. And the Pelicans are doing it without Zion Williamson, who continues to be kind of an enigma in the league. The guy can't stay healthy. Yeah. That's just it's a shame because he's got tremendous talent, and when he has played, he's played really well. But it, it, this is how many years now? I mean, this yeah. is four years of. Uh, of basically being, you know, he had, I think maybe one year where he played close to a full season. It's just been uh, this was the concern when when your New Orleans is is locking up to a max him to a max extension. They've already given him the extension, um, and now you, you kind of made the bed. Now you got to sleep in it, and, and unfortunately, they just haven't had him available. These injuries. I mean, I, I think the thing he had was a hamstring. Mm-hmm. He's been out for like four months. I mean, it's been a long time with that thing. It's just another. It's got to be really hard on a young a young player who's had so much success, but he has not been able to stay healthy. And um, that's you know, New Orleans has got a lot of talent and a lot of draft capital coming their way. But boy, if they could mix Zion in with that, then they'd have then they'd really have something. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Alan, preview that uh, Suns game for us tomorrow night. Well, just trying to make it five straight wins in a row. And, uh, you know, anytime you go up against a Chris Paul team, that's going to be a handful. He is uh, he is flopping around like a fish more than uh, more than he ever has and uh, drawing fouls. And, and, you know, I mean, no one embellishes contact more than Chris Paul. I mean, the highlights of him recently, I might have to put something together and show some of those highlights and get, get Timberwolves fans a little prime for what they're expecting to see on Wednesday night. But he is, I mean, he's super smart, but he also – uh, knows how to manipulate the game, and he draws contact. You touch him on the hip, he's going to go airborne, you know, three feet in the air and land flat on his stomach. And uh, he did that against the Kings this past weekend. Sacramento fans were still talking about it uh, when we were there on Monday night or last night. So it's uh, he's he's always a handful, but he is getting up there in age. This is, you know, the Phoenix window is interesting. They've moved on from Mikel Bridges and Camp Johnson. Uh, they got Kevin Durant, who just can't seem to stay healthy. Um, and you've got Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and you know you don't all of a sudden don't have as much depth as you, as you used to have. And that Phoenix team was really good. They made it to the finals two years ago, um, but Chris Paul's not getting any younger. And oh, there's, there's always, always, always the thought that hey, he's one quad strain, he's one hamstring strain away from being sidelined again and, and kind of sinking the sun. So it'll be interesting to see. Now, Alan, I know that you'll have your shirt tucked in, but the Timberwolves need to remember to have their shirts tucked in with Chris Paul around right, as well. Right, because Chris Paul was the one. He was yep. in Oklahoma City when the untucked jersey, and he talked. Uh, yep. The amazing thing of that, Todd, is that he talked Scott Foster into calling that delay of game, which was a technical because it was the second. And Scott Foster and Chris Paul have this tremendous history where Chris Paul is like one, I don't, I don't even know what the record is, but it was heavily in favor Anytime Scott Foster was a referee, Chris Paul's team would lose the game. Hmm. Um, and it was some incredible streak. Like, it was almost 20 straight games or something. Um, but that was, uh, yeah, Chris Paul was the <laughs> impetus behind behind the untucked jersey. Can you name it? Ken, here's a little bit of trivia, Todd. Can you name the Timberwolves player who did not have the jersey chuck, tucked in? Oh, gosh, I should know, but uh, I, I can't. Uh, Anthony Edwards? No, it was uh, Jordan Bell. Oh, Jordan Bell. Not even lasting a full yeah. season with the Wolves, uh, the former Warrior. Uh, he was the one who came on the floor. I think uh, I think Ryan Saunders tried to get him in there for uh, rebounding purposes, <laughs> and uh, he didn't have the jersey chucked in. They got a delay of game, 
that gave Oklahoma City a technical. Towns then made, uh, see, he missed the one he should have made. He, he missed the first, and then he should have missed the second because there was under a second or two left. Had he missed the second free throw, the ball would have hit the board and someone would have collected it and they would have trapped, you know, 90 feet from the basket with one second left. Mm. He made the second free throw. Steven Adams inbounds the ball to a racing Dennis Schroeder, a baseball pass all the way down the length of the field. And, and Schroeder makes an over-the-shoulder catch and lays it in to tie the game. We go to overtime and the Timberwolves lose. Yeah. It was, it was, it unfortunately typifies a lot of the things that have happened with this Timberwolves franchise through the years. And that was, um, you know, it didn't cost them from going to the postseason, but, um, you know, their postseason has been in the regular season. That's where their heartbreak has come because that's why they haven't gotten to the postseason. Yeah. But, um, that's going to be different this year. It certainly is right now when they've won this many games in a row. But, um, yeah, thanks for bringing up that memory. That's always <laughs> fun. You know, that, that was before Anthony Edwards. I mean, that's how long that goes. Oh, my was. gosh. That that's a Chris long. Finch. Wow. Before Chris Finch, it was before. You know, actually, wait. Anthony might have been might have been on that team. Let's see, Ryan. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I can't remember if that's the season that Ryan took over for Tibbs midway through the season or was the following season. And so Anthony Edwards might have been. Yeah, my, Edwards probably would have been there. Alan, thanks so much. Uh, we'll be tuned in tomorrow night, and I'll see you on Sunday. Sounds good, Todd. Looking forward to it. Alan Horton, voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.